play ball. Casio, we have a very special live guest today waiting for us on Skype. Um, we don't even have any listeners. How can we have a live guest? Well, first things first. Okay, who is it? It is your very favorite Nat. Who? It is no other than starting pitcher... Steven Strasburg! No, no, I don't believe you. No, it's serious. All I have to do is press this button, and he is on. Um, okay. Go ahead, press the button. Okay, I will. But first, do you promise to be nice? I hate when people tell me that. People tell me that all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm always nice. I know. I'm a very nice person. Here, here's the thing. Are you going to call him Mold Boy? Because our vast audience knows how much you like to make fun of him. Are you going to be respectful to this guy? I mean, I can't make any promises, but <laughs> I, will <try. laughs> I will try to not call him Mold Boy. Okay, okay, fine. Then here we go. Uh, hello? OMG, Mr. Strasberg, hello. Thank you very much for joining us on the From the Cheap Seats podcast. My name is Thad, and I'm here today with my co-host, Cassia. Um, good to meet you, Thad, and uh, uh, Cassia. Mr. Strasberg, I can't tell you how excited I am to meet you. May I call you Steve? Um, I actually prefer Your Excellency. Your Excellency? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, uh, Your Excellency, uh, where are you Skyping with us, uh, from today? I'm in my penthouse suite at the, uh, West Palm Beach Hilton. It's very close to the ballpark. Nice. Those digs sound pretty swanky. Yeah, you know, honestly, uh, Casilla, I called my agent to complain to the owners, the Lerner family. You know, the hot tub is here is just, like, way too small. I can't even swim my laps in it. Your Excellency, if you don't mind my asking, what are those sounds I'm hearing in the background? Are you okay? <sighs> yeah, yeah, you notice that. Yeah, that's my medical crew, Thad. You know, I just, I need constant monitoring. Uh, well, no one would ever notice you were ill with your great innings the other day against Boston. Thank you, Cassia. Thanks. I, you know, I like pitching on the mound. Um, it's a good place for me. You know, I'm at least 60 feet from any other human. Because for people, I mean, they're, they're a bulging petri dish of disease and bacteria. Ah, uh, well, speaking of people, um, I thought you were married? I am married, yes. Uh, she's a deer. But, you know, she always wears a hazmat suit while in the house, and she sleeps in a tool shed. But we made it up. I mean, well, she made it up very nice for herself. Hmm, we didn't, uh, we didn't realize your immune system was so sensitive. Yeah, you know, fans don't really, re they don't really appreciate, um, the terrible sacrifices that starting pitchers make. Sacrifices? I thought you guys pitched 30 games a year for like 90 minutes. I know. Isn't it awful? Well, uh, that's only 60 hours a year. You know, most people work like 50 hours a week. Hey, look, you know, you're forgetting the unbearable pressure that we shoulder. We're practically slaves up there. You know, what What do you want from us? Here we go again, ladies! <gasps> Give me the pedals! Stat! 
see what you did? You promised to be nice. I was. I was. I didn't even say mold boy. Whew. That was another close one. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Ah, oh, your excellency. Are you okay? Oh, I, I'll be I'll be okay, you know. It's another afternoon in my daily nightmare. <clears throat> well, it's good to hear you're okay. Um, will you still be starting against Houston tonight? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, this happens a lot. Uh, I also get a weekly colonoscopy. Um, so I guess we should let you warm up for the game, then. I hope you're feeling better. Th- <coughs> Thank you. And that was baseball phenom and national starting pitcher Steven Strasburg, ladies and gentlemen, Skyping with us from spring training camp in West Palm Beach, Florida. Well, I thought that was pretty good, don't you? First interview? Sure, fantastic. Take me out to the ball game. Uh, Yeah, let's go. One night, I was wandering the streets of Buenos Aires like a try-hard Guy Debord and got myself miserably lost. I'd thrown my phone in a trash can, so that would be no help. I had a guillete in my backpack, but consulting it felt like failure. It took me maybe an hour or so, though I had no sense of time, to navigate my way back to familiar territory by following main roads to recognizable landmarks. When I'd found that I'd made it as near to home as Recoleta Cemetery, I internally rejoiced. Having been on my feet for the better part of the day, my legs were beginning to feel the strain. I decided to cut through the low-lit park surrounding the graveyard instead of going through the more safely illuminated perimeter. Tread fast, head down, no one can hurt me. This was my motto. More than ghosts stalk the grounds of this elite boneyard after dark. A bald figure started running in well-spaced but targeted squiggles around me. When he jogged a little closer, I saw that he had a lazy eye and a large, fleshy nose like a cartoon witch. A second longer, and I saw that he'd unzipped his pants and was now wagging his exposed, limp dick at me, handling it the way a child might a garden hose. The poor man, I thought but for some reason it felt right that his penis get a fair airing. I upped my pace. The man ran to a tree and hid behind the trunk, staring at me with one eye peeking out the side. As I traversed the space named for a dead pope, he did not follow. It was like the park was his personal pomerium, an enchanted, sharply delimited spot where his powers were concentrated. This was consecrated ground. He would not step beyond. I heaved a sigh and relaxed. The remaining walk home seemed safer somehow, feeling that I was under the protection of a disturbed, exhibitionist angel.
listening to Have We Met Before? My name is Kasia, and these are stories of people I can't forget. I saw an ad in the paper for a panel analyzing the films of Ingmar Bergman through the lens of psychoanalysis. The subject was so parodically stereotypical of Argentina that I thought I must attend. Argentina supposedly has more psychoanalysts per capita than any other country in the world. There is no stigma surrounding therapy, so they say, and the practice is not exclusive to the bourgeois. A small area surrounding Plaza Güemes with a large number of therapists' office has come to be known as Via Freud. The conventional explanation for why this retro-euro trend still holds such appeal at nearly the end of the world is that Argentina's immigrant-heavy populace is beset with identity problems. Seems to me that never-ending psychoanalysis would be a great way to conjure and entrench one's identity problems, not alleviate them, but that's another conversation. Now, I don't claim to have plumbed the depths of the Argentine soul enough to discover its essential truth, nor do I claim that such a thing exists. But my instinct told me that the extent of this phenomena was likely overblown. Sometimes the least reliable source on a country is its own citizen's self-image. The Bergman panel seemed like a good opportunity to investigate how widespread the obsession actually was. The event was held in a nationally funded art space called Casa Nacional del Bicentenario. On my way in the door, a woman handed me a brochure promoting several weeks of Bergman-related programming tied to the 100th anniversary of his birth. Given that Bergman was likely a closeted necrophiliac, it made sense that he'd be feted here. A lot of money had been poured into this handout. It was professionally designed, with high-quality film stills printed on thick, glossy cardstock and a fold-out timeline of the celebrated Swede's life and work. I was not at all surprised when I saw a seal on the back denoting that the festivities were made possible thanks to a generous donation from the Swedish embassy. Nothing brings cultures together so much as a lengthy monologue about an orgy. Casa Nacional was so close to my apartment that I arrived a half hour early. Being one of the first people there gave me a lot of time to survey the crowd as it trickled in. There were salt and peppered couples, adult only children, the odd film student, and lots and lots of handmade leather shoes and 100% cashmere scarves. Unlike most, I didn't have a phone to disappear into, so I focused my attention on a girl who looked about my age. She had a greasy ponytail and a threadbare pea coat. I felt I could relate to someone in these vestments, so I decided to contrive a reason to talk to her. This was early on in my stay, and I was still craning my neck for local acquaintances. So I grabbed my coat and my backpack and walked up to the aisle where she was seated. Hola, I said, edging into her row. Hablas inglés? Yes, she said softly, after a moment's pause. My Spanish is not so good. May I sit next to you and ask a question if I have one? This was pure artifice. I wasn't worried about understanding anyone, and I had zero intention of making inquiries. Oh yes, please sit, she instructed, clearing her belongings from the neighboring seat. 
We chatted politely, facing forwards, until the panel began. Freudian lines were predictably adhered to. Bergman's father was a pastor. He had a front-row seat to the hypocrisies of the clergy. He rejected the faith. The relationship strained. All this boyhood angst was channeled into his grown-up films, exploring existentialism, religion, and mortality. I made no headway in determining whether or not these views reflected a wider ideology. This crowd was far from representative of Recoleta, let alone Buenos Aires, let alone the country at large. At the end, the moderator made an announcement that a series of Bergman films would be showing at Teatro San Martín to mumbles of delight. What's the Teatro San Martín? I asked my target alliance as we walked out. Oh, it's a long corrientes. They do mostly theater, but they show movies, too. When we got to the door, she hugged me. I'm Cassia, by the way, I said as we pulled apart. Maria. I'm going to be here for a while. Could I possibly have your email? I asked. I don't have a phone. Yes, of course. I was going to ask you. She fished out a pen from her bag and wrote her email address on the back of my Bergman brochure, entirely skipping over the odd fact that I rejected the standard mode of communication. I felt proud to have forged this slight connection with a complete stranger, even if it went nowhere. I emailed her a few weeks later, after seeing a showing of Fanny and Alexander at the theater on Corrientes. They made a big deal out of it being his birthday, I wrote. There were diplomats there, and cake. It seems you can't have one without the other. But isn't it wrong to wish someone as sad as Bergman a happy birthday? She replied, Maybe it's a happy birthday for him because he's dead. We made plans to see the Seven Seal later that week, which I took as a relief. I badly needed a new companion to distract me from the mess I was making of my life. Gliding down Paraná to Corrientes, I wondered if I'd be able to recognize Maria. All of Buenos Aires looks the same in July. Two-thirds of everyone was covered up by a bulky coat. Seated side by side at the psychoanalysis panel, I'd barely gotten a good look at her. On the sidewalk outside the theater, I reveled in the sight of red and white popcorn trolleys and a Wonka-ish array of rainbow-colored candies, packaged into single sleeves of clear plastic, fastened with gold ties at the end. The theater didn't sell concessions inside, but you were allowed to bring in what you bought out on the street. After I pushed open the heavy golden glass doors to the lobby, I hardly had time to take my place in the ticket line before Maria tapped me on my left shoulder. The whole awkward scene of standing at the margins and trying to survey the crowd without looking like you were surveying the crowd had been avoided. She yanked her hand out from her coat pocket and supplied me with a movie ticket. I got yours, she said. Oh, thank you. I was surprised since I barely knew her. You didn't have to. No, it's so much cheaper for me, she said. San Martín was a public theater with discounted prices for Argentine nationals. If I had arrived before her, I don't think it would have occurred to me to buy tickets for both of us. Anglo-Americans tended to act like you were putting them out by doing them a favor. We were rarely as casually generous with one another. Why did you get here so early? I asked. I was 15 minutes early myself. Uh, el bus, she shrugged. You know how the schedules are. You choose between being an hour late and an hour early. Right, I said. She told me that she'd lived out in Gran Buenos Aires. How long is your ride here? Over an hour. When I made a disturbed face, she shut me down, saying, 
It's okay. It's just my life. There was a long line for tickets forming, but we were able to head straight over to the golden elevators. We ascended to the 10th floor and claimed two seats before taking turns going to the bathroom. While Maria went, I waited with my bag on her chair. Though she wasn't gone for long, a man began walking down our row ranting about the practice of saving seats for people who were nowhere to be seen. His words were clearly targeted at me, but I didn't feel the need to chime in. When he made for the handle of my backpack, however, as though he meant to fling it across the room, I dove over to protect it. Maria returned just in time to witness the scene and tell him off. Estoy aquí, she piped in from behind him with sunny aggression. Cámase loco. He grumbled, which is Argentina's unofficial national anthem, and kept on mumble-ranting to himself as he continued down the row. The people in this city, my God. Ratas, hijos, monstruos. Puedo oírte, the rat complained. Estoy alegre, she volleyed back. This was something I witnessed almost daily. X would get mad at Y for getting mad about something, and X ended up even angrier than Y had been in the first place. What did you do today? I asked her. It was the classic, I don't know you, but I'm trying to, question. She'd gone to a birthday party for her niece. It was Mexican-themed. They had me in the kitchen slicing green peppers and onions for the fajitas. And let me tell you, these little girls could eat. Every time I thought I was done, no, they were like, mas, mas. <laughs> How old is your niece? Twelve. And she wanted a fajita-themed birthday? I guess so. That's hilarious. I just got back from Usua. The lights went down, cutting me off. A short introduction video played before the film. An interview with a late-in-life Bergman, talking about how he'd been tortured by his fear of death until he made the seventh seal, which more or less cured him of it. So there's hope for us, Maria whispered. The entire movie seemed to play out within a single instant. What did you think? Maria asked after it was over, as we rewrapped ourselves in preparation against the outdoors. It was sadder than I remembered, I said. It was funnier than I remembered, she replied. The elevators were jammed, so we bypassed them in favor of the stairwell. You mentioned you saw Monica here, right? she asked. Yeah, a few days ago. I watched it last night, just on my laptop. I really thought it was good. Mm, me too, better than this. How did you manage with the subtitles being in Spanish? Not too badly, I think. Seeing the words makes them much easier to follow. Plus, I've seen it before. Hmm. I can imagine it must be hard, she said. And I could tell she didn't believe I understood a word. Half the moviegoers were trampling each other over as they rushed down the stairwell, and the other half were engaging in frame-by-frame -frame analysis, leaving a movie nowhere else compares. Do people here really like Bergman? I asked. Mm, the older generations, I think, but not the youth. I told my grandmother I was coming, and I was surprised she'd even heard of it. Yeah, I told my landlady, and she fell over herself with praise. Me encanta Bergman, I said, trying to imitate Amparo, though Amparo is inimitable. Would you like to get a coffee or a bite to eat? Maria asked as we emerged onto Avenida Corrientes. She didn't need to ask. On Corrientes, a movie, a play, whatever, was just an opening gambit. The greatest street in the world was her boisterous self tonight. 
Neons engaged, car horns honking, construction walls inducing people to crush one another, vendors hawking silver jewelry, and racks of cheap paperbacks exposed to the elements in order to lure in potential customers. We somehow make it from the theater to the corner of Montevideo without getting stampeded. The four corners of Corrientes y Montevideo contained a branch of Benchero, a pizza place, a maxi kiosco, Café La Paz, and yet another pizza place called Farandula. I was weirdly drawn to corners in this city and to seeing what the combinations of the four businesses said about the place you were at. Each quartet seemed divinely united. For instance, on my corner of Paraná y Santa Fe, there was a luggage store, a mattress store, a Burberry-ridden atrocity called the London Shop, and a community center where Amparo took her English classes. I'd been to the other two restaurants besides Farandula, so I suggested we go there. Sure, Maria said. Anywhere. I'm still smelling onions, so I can't eat a thing. We crossed the street toward the glassy building with polychromatic neon reading. Café, bar, pizza, pastas. It was the kind of place that didn't need a menu, because most of the options were already plastered on the wall outside. Maria stopped me at the doorway to say that she needed a cigarette first. Do you want to wait inside while I smoke? Oh no, that's fine. I'll stand out here with you. We moved off to the side a little. She pulled out an Altoids tin full of loose tobacco and cigarette wrappers. Want one? No, thanks. She assembled and rolled the cigarette mid-air on the crowded street with perfect form. She lit up, inhaled deeply, and then slowly released the remaining smoke into the city of good air, all the while staring at me searchingly. Or at least, that's what I thought, until she said, There's a man masturbating himself behind you. I whipped my head around. The shiny, bald head I recognized first. It was the guy from the park, Buenos Aires's grave-robbing archangel of lost girls. He was doing as Maria reported, with his motor-oil-stained jeans unzipped for all to see. At least he seemed to have procured a jacket since our last encounter. Its outer fabric was ripping a bit at the shoulders, though. I've seen him before, if you can believe it, I turned back to say, entranced by the coincidence. Strange, Maria said, incurious. She took another puff. So, who are some of your favorite filmmakers? she asked. Mm, I kind of like and dislike everything, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. I felt the same way since I started this art school disaster. I like Bergman, or at least I think I do. I tried to watch all of his movies. Some were good, some of them were... Shit, I can imagine. I like his films, but he's not the one that I would really seek out. His themes are... Redundante? Redundant, I said, nodding. Redundant, maybe? I don't know. He's definitely hugely influential. When she finished her cigarette, we were seated at a booth against a mirrored back wall. It was past the hour when all the restaurants in any city but Buenos Aires would have closed, but just approaching the hour when all the restaurants in Buenos Aires were crazy full. Our waiter came over and launched into a long explanation of the set menus. He was a fet and animated, with alternating lime green and orange bands on his braces. When I broke in to ask Maria to clarify the size of one of the pizzas he'd mentioned, he realized I spoke English. 
<gasps> You're an English speaker? I'm so sorry. Let me start over. We have three. No, no, that's fine. I got most. No, no, I can do it. I'm happy to. It's my pleasure. He trilled. The way he said it, it really seemed like it was his pleasure. I'm sure you can, but I know what I want. I'll have the personal pizza with ham. Maria ordered a soda. Diet Pepsi, I think it was. Oh, fantastico, the waiter said. I tried to hand him the menus, then realized that they stay on the table behind the napkin dispenser. I'm sorry about that, he apologized. I'll speak English from now on. That's fine, you don't have- I tried to assure him, but he walked away. Maria looked at me with pity. Does that happen to you often? No, I can almost always manage. You should learn Spanish, she implored. I'm working on it. Slowly, but... Slowly. ¿La hablaremos ahora? Líbrame, no. It would be bad for me, but worse for you. She nodded, concealing her true thoughts. How do you feel about the Buenos Aires Look, cold of pizza? Look, the conversation was banal. I wouldn't want you to hear more of it than you have to. Though I liked Maria, and I wanted to be present there in the pizza booth, my mind kept slipping towards the forms that had come to govern my thoughts. I have the right to renounce slash relinquish my United States nationality. No, but I would like to see New Orleans before I die. But it's so expensive there, no? I have the intention of relinquishing my United States nationality, but I'm halfway through. I was studying philosophy before, but it was so useless. I dropped out without a clue as to what to do in the world. I am exercising my right of renunciation slash relinquishment freely and voluntarily. Without force, compulsion, or undue influence placed upon me by any person. I plan on working in a gallery, perhaps making my own things. Upon renouncing slash relinquishing my U.S. nationality, I will become an alien with respect to the United States, subject to all laws and procedures of the United States regarding entry and control of aliens he hates and wants to destroy me. If I do not possess the nationality slash citizenship of any country other than the United States, Upon my renunciation slash relinquishment, I will become a stateless person and may face extreme difficulties traveling internationally and entering most countries and maintaining a place to reside. Protest in August. We're staying up the whole night on the street before the vote. If I am found to be deportable by a foreign country, my renunciation slash relinquishment may not prevent my involuntary return to the United States. Break. Muerte, muerte, muerte. Why not make a movie about something else for once? My renunciation slash relinquishment may not affect my liability, if any, to prosecution for any crimes which I may have committed or may commit in the future which violate United States law. Prostitutes are treated better. If the restaurant was empty and he was slow, okay, that's one thing. But it's backed. My renunciation slash relinquishment may not exempt me from United States income taxation. You don't see this place how I see it. This is my city. I fully understand the consequences. I have. You'd feel the same. We talked for two, three, maybe four hours. She had another friend she was meeting later, who she'd been putting off periodically over text. It was already past midnight. I wondered what time she ever got to sleep. I lay down my car to pay the bill, despite her protestations about the many Pepsis. I owe you for the movie ticket, I said. Her bus wasn't coming for a while, so she walked me over to the corner of Parana. We hugged. You get home safe, she said, pressing her finger to my chest. The physical touch startled me. You too, I said. It was the last time I saw Maria. That evening we made vague plans to go to La Plata together in the near future.
and then confirmed it over email a few days later. But when the day came, and I stood waiting for her at Retiro Station at the appointed time, she never showed, and never contacted me afterwards to offer an explanation. I'd bought her a train ticket, too. A few days later, I was walking out of a Fredo on Callao, with a cup of ice cream in hand, when I once again encountered my streaker. His crooked eyes, that's what I noticed this time. And in that very instant, I recognized him. The way you might an old childhood friend with only the flash of their silhouette. He was crossing the street, and then the sidewalk, heading straight towards the side of the building. There was something broken, even in his manner of walking. I watched him go, welling up with pride for the man that he was fully clothed, with his genitals nowhere to be seen. But wait. He swiftly unzipped and began peeing onto the facade of the very Fredo I'd just patronized. He didn't even see me this time. First Maria, now even the rats and the psychos and the monsters were done with me. I felt flimsy, invisible, like a puff of smoke dissipating into the good, bad air. I wondered if there was any better way to go. Have we met before? Join me again in two weeks for Amelian Dialogue for the Modern Age. Theme music composed by John Hookstrap.